The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. But there's a bunch of stuff you need to know about uh, this technology. It's the reason we always invite people on to help explain because it's really difficult. Caitlin Caitlin Long joining us now, a contributor to Forbes with the two terms that every Bitcoin trader needs to learn now. Hey, Caitlin, how are you? Hi, good morning. Great, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Now, are you a cryptocurrency owner? Oh, yes. For uh, years. Okay, good, good. Okay. So it's it's really difficult to try to explain to people, though, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. A lot of people still scratch their heads and, you know, wonder why we need this. Why don't we just use the U.S. dollar? Right. Well, and then you're also asking people to understand something that's not really tangible and something that even when it comes to the dollar, most of us don't understand currency and economies. Those are very different things and they're both difficult. And then you've got tech involved. That's a formula for disaster. Well, it certainly is a formula for confusion. And <laughs> confusion. It requires Maybe that's a lot. Yeah, it certainly requires a lot of time. And, and I, like so many people back in 2012, when I discovered Bitcoin, didn't pay that much attention to it and didn't act on it for a while because it is confusing and it is hard, but it's getting easier. And it is a lot easier now than it was even last year because there are so many more com- companies that have built user-friendly interfaces to the, to the blockchains that enable, company to, enable people, regular people, to be their own bank. So you, your article mentions the two words that every Bitcoin trader needs to learn. What are those two words? The two words are commingling and rehypothecation, and they relate to Wall Street coming into Bitcoin, which is probably a head-scratcher in and of itself because you might wonder why Wall Street wants in but Wall Street's coming and they're going to do the same things they do to other assets, such as commingle and rehypothecate them. And those are fundamentally incompatible with Bitcoin. So it's going to create some very interesting uh, effects. Yes. So, number one, Wall Street's obviously on board because they think somehow they're going to make money or believe yep. they need to control this to keep them from losing other currencies they may be invested or other commodities but somehow they feel they need to be involved and as part of that isn't that at least a little bit of a good sign that this this new currency is legitimate oh sure and at first a lot of folks uh when 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 the parent company of the new york stock exchange announced that it's getting into bitcoin ah. a lot of folks said gosh we've arrived that this is the mainstreaming that we've been craving but if you read the fine print, it, it, the way the, and, and look at what they've said, they've said that w- Bitcoin isn't going to succeed unless we bring a centralized <laughs> trusted infrastructure to it. Oh it's well, antithetical to what Bitcoin is. There's yeah. nothing that markets like better than being controlled. That is just really solid for markets, right? <laughs> Right, right. And just the notion that we have to put a trusted infrastructure on top of Bitcoin, which is the most trusted, (laughs) probably the most accurate ledger, the most objective ledger that human beings have ever invented. (laughs) And, And Wall Street has to put trust on top of it. Sure. Yeah, of course. All right. So explain rehypothecation. Well, this is basically the easiest way to understand it is it's three card Monty. It, it, it is basically that a number of different people think they own the same asset at the same time, but there's really only one asset. 
And believe it or not, this is standard business practice on Wall Street. And this is very likely coming to Bitcoin. And uh, it's, it's not just one participant. It's every part Wall Street participant that's going to get into Bitcoin is going to be doing this practice called rehypothecation. The IMS estimates that the number of times that a treasury bond, for example, is owned and then reused and reused. So you've got multiple people believing that they own the same asset when if the musical chairs ever stop, there's really only one asset. The IMF estimates that as of year end 2017, that that, that multiple is three times. So that means for every one person who actually owns, for every three people who think they own a treasury bond, there's really only one treasury bond. And this is um, this is just um, uh, shady math. It's only a problem if everybody calls it in at the same time, right? That's the only problem. And they realize, you know, if they could make money, they meaning bankers and and in um, investment types over the years, is if if people call it at the same time, right? Yep, it's the classic run on the bank situation. Some of your listeners may recognize this by a phrase called fractional reserve banking, which a lot of Austrian school economists have been talking about for years. This is just a different form of it. Um, And the the U.S. Treasury bond is fractionally reserved three times. Uh, So so these practices are going to start coming to Bitcoin. And actually, one of my Wall Street pals who defends the practice, a lot of Wall Streeters think this is perfectly legitimate and it's all about you know, bringing liquidity to the marketplace. Uh, he said, you know, well, Bitcoin, in his view, Bitcoin was never going to be big until Wall Street solves its scarcity problem. Ah, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, one there of the, you go. That's what they're trying to do. Right. One of the things, if you look at the history of Bitcoin, um, is that it was supposed to be finite for a reason. Right. I mean, that's of course it's it's very transparent because of the blockchain technology. And number two, it is limited for a reason. The ridiculous thing about this, Caitlin, is even if you were to make the argument that um, when it comes to a stock, um, that it's more finite uh, um, and I would have to buy, you know, stocks sharing, uh, trading at a hundred bucks a share and I don't have a hundred bucks a share. I only have 58 and I want to, I want to get involved. Well, unless you buy some sort of fund, you can't buy our stock. There could be an argument there, but with Bitcoin, you can buy percentages. So there's no reason to say you want to, um, offer, you know, more of it unless you're trying to use this, um, rehypothecation basically or fractional reserve banking yeah that's right and then there are some folks who looked at this and thought you know that that wall street to to your earlier illusion didn't want the price to really take off and that these kinds of techniques they're they're applied in all the markets but you know we, we sometimes hear people talk about them in the gold market the gold price suppression scheme for example uh, and this is how it's done. You create more paper claims to the asset than there are real assets underlying it. And it suppresses the price because those substitutes for the real thing do sap up some of the demand for the real thing. And interestingly, after the New York Stock Exchange parent company announced uh, two weeks ago that it is um, getting into Bitcoin, the price dropped almost 20%. Yeah. And a lot of folks were really surprised by that, but I wasn't because I understand this is, this is Wall Street coming in to try to, quote unquote, solve the scarcity problem, which in reality, to your point, is what gives Bitcoin so much value. 
Right, because it is rare. So down the road yeah. a piece, you know, you get 20 years, 50 years, 100 years down the road. Yeah, maybe all the Bitcoins are mined and maybe everybody has them. And they go, well, the, the price goes up. That's fine. You can still sell off 10% of a coin, 100% of a coin. You can, sure. I mean, it, it'll, the price will be more. That's the reason you smell, sell smaller quantities. That's all you have to do with it. Yes, absolutely. And, and Bitcoin is very divisible. So we just, uh, it, it, Bitcoin, just like anything, can, the, the price can adjust to any, any use that it, it needs. And so, uh, absolutely, this is, uh, I think Bitcoin doesn't need Wall Street to succeed. I would argue Wall Street needs Bitcoin to succeed uh-huh. because of all of the issues that, that Wall Street has. There, there are a lot of examples of where this rehypothecation has has really caused mom and pop to lose money. And it is the sort of underlying anger that I think a lot of people have towards Wall Street. They have a sense that there's something that's just not fair about the system. And a really good example of it is the Dole Food lawsuit, which was a Delaware lawsuit last year, where it was discovered that there was one-third more shares promised in people's brokerage accounts than there were actually legally outstanding Dole Food wow. shares. And everybody thought they owned those Dole Food shares because they had brokerage statements that, that showed they owned them. But what they didn't understand is that behind the scenes, there was one third less outstanding than was promised out to all the people. And that's standard practice on Wall Street, albeit usually not to that degree. That was an extreme example. But every day, Wall Street doesn't, there are all kinds of, um, shall we call it, fault tolerances in the uh. system. Uh, and and it's not an accurate accounting system. Bitcoin is an accurate accounting system. You own it. No one else owns it if you control your private key. And that's not true of the securities in our brokerage account. It's funny from these people on Wall Street who claim, you know, and whenever you see any of their commercials for their bank or their investment firm, Caitlin, it's always like, honest and trusted we've been around for a hundred years since the day right all this this image and marketing but they are really kind of shady about that stuff if you're selling this stuff you know two three times over from those people uh when they hear about this technology which is really transparent that's part of the the cornerstone of the you know of, of cryptocurrencies in general and blockchain that then they want to try to make it more shady that's backwards yeah, well, and, and, and exactly as you were saying, a lot of folks are saying, you know, Bitcoin needs Wall Street and needs this trusted infrastructure. But what's fascinating about it is that Bitcoin's going to win in the end. In, in, in Wall Street may, may succeed in suppressing the price in the short term and, and may cause some folks to think they're buying the real thing when they buy it through their stockbroker. But of course, they're not. But in the end, here's why Bitcoin wins. Because Wall Street will never control Bitcoin. It is way too decentralized. And the chances that any single actor, even a state actor, can control it at this point are pretty minuscule. And what can the Bitcoin community do if Wall Street starts creating lots of of these fractionally reserved Bitcoins? The community can just fork it into a new coin. Uh. And if Wall Street has a lot of uncovered positions, which are short positions, in that old coin, when, when the new coin gets, it gets introduced, that could cause some pretty serious financial losses to Wall Street itself. So it's, it's funny because it, it, it does raise the question, which is riskier, Wall Street to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to Wall Street? Wow, that's a great point. That's, that'll be interesting. When, when the cryptocurrency owners or users now realize their power in this stuff, 
because it's still in its infancy. You're right. They could use that to uh, really influence Wall Street. They could. This might be like, you know, the arrogance of a, of a person saying, all right, I'm going to control this dragon. <laughs> the dragon just hasn't, doesn't know that they're a dragon yet. Yeah. It's like, okay, you, you you're not going to. Let me go ahead and put a leash on him. <laughs> uh, Caitlin, real quick, get to uh, co-mingling as, uh, when it comes to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. What, why is co-mingling an issue and in what way? Because Bitcoins are meant to be owned directly by each individual owner rather than owned in a pool. And it's the fact that Wall Street commingles securities in these uh, pools behind the scenes that allows for all these three-card Monty games to be played by the system. I see. And so if, if you're trying to create commingling for something that was never designed to be commingled, you're not only introducing cybersecurity risks, but you're enabling this rehypothecation that we just talked about. So are, are they putting together, and I don't follow you know, Wall Street daily with this stuff, are they putting together like funds to buy various cryptocurrencies and stuff? Well, yes. So in addition to what wow. Act announced, which is physically settled Bitcoin futures, so that's indeed now Wall Street and interacting with Bitcoin itself, um, there, there are now a number of um, applications in front of the SEC to approve Bitcoin ETFs, um, one of which would also be physically settled. Most of these are going to be cash settled. You know, frankly, if, if, uh, if, if somebody wants to go make cash settled bets on Bitcoin, you know, there are plenty of other ways to do that. And it's not going to have as big a, an impact on the underlying Bitcoin as when Wall Street starts playing with the physical Bitcoin so far, nothing's been approved, but it's coming. And uh, the announcement, I think, is, is, is one of the reasons why the price dropped below 7000 and we haven't seen it go back up since. Wow, that's awesome. All right, the article is um, Two Wall Street Terms Every Bitcoin Trader Needs to Learn uh, from Caitlin Long, uh, contributor for Forbes. What I'm going to do, Caitlin, is go ahead and post this on social media so people can read it and understand themselves. That sounds great. Nice uh, talking to you this morning. It was great to speak with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. A lot of information, Doc. A lot of information that we don't know. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson. I want to tell you about another show that I think you're going to like. It's called The News and Why It Matters. It's a group of us talking about news stories that we think are important and why those stories matter to you. The News and Why It Matters. Look for it wherever you download your favorite podcast. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.